Hello, everybody. It's me, Grace, and this is In Loving Color, Dating While Black. Today, we've got a very special guest, a friend of mine that I met a couple years ago, actually, when I, I mean, I'm always in the pursuit of just my best life and peak physical fitness for health and mental health and physical health sake. And I met this being and this human that's my friend is Casey and Casey is just a ray of light y'all you're gonna find that we're about to have a conversation you're gonna be like this person is a ray of light and I agree with Grace 3000 percent but Casey is a person who is open who is a listener who is always unraveling concepts and ideas that maybe serve no one, including themselves. And so we're gonna have a conversation around that actually. We're gonna be talking about what is love? What is partnership when you yourself are on a journey of truth? When you yourself are seeking a higher understanding of the human existence? I promise this is all gonna make some more sense when I add a little bit more context. But first, Casey, why don't you give us uh, better or maybe equal to introduction to the one I just gave you. <laughs> um, that was a pretty, pretty awesome introduction. So thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, to, to make this story make more logical sense, um, I do identify as a non-Black person of color who is trans-masculine, non-binary, um, and also, I guess, pansexual if that is relevant. <laughs> okay, um, you said a lot of really great things. I just want to give a little pause before you go on with your intro. I know that some of our listeners are not going to be familiar with this language. Actually, hopefully, I hope everybody actually is familiar with this language who's listening. <laughs> Hearing what Casey's saying, and they're like, okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, good. And who's clear on what these concepts or these phrases mean in the overall kind of lexicon of the human experience but if they are not will you break down all of those really beautiful elements of yourself for us oh absolutely so we're gonna do that in the conversation but continue were you gonna say anything else about yourself in that intro nope i like how you're like no i'm done all right <laughs> So for folks listening, I think that let's start with, I, I think, a term that a lot of people have heard. And I think that that term is going to be non-binary and mm -hmm. trans. You specifically said trans-masculine, so I, I think, or trans-mask, did you abbreviate? Did you create a little short, shorthand? Oh, uh, trans, yeah, that's what that means. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, want, I want us to, to talk briefly about those two parts of your personal identity and your framework and lens for seeing the world. And then I want us to, and also non-Black person of color, so a non-Black POC. All of this is just layers of goodness, right? Um, <laughs> layers of goodness. I'm gonna take the one that I know well, and I feel like is the easiest for me to define, which is you all probably heard Casey say that they are pansexual. So pansexual is a person who likes other people. That's pretty rad, huh? So I, I mean, it's simple, it's to the point, it's open, 
And I think it's mm -hmm. lovely. So that's a person who identifies as pansexual, someone who pan, all, um, sexual, all sexual. That kind of sounds like the missing Marvel god or something, like pansexual, <laughs> all sexual. Sounds like Odin and his brother. But, <laughs> but, but I think that it's a term that we're not necessarily accustomed to hearing a lot. We might hear people identify as homosexual or heterosexual or bisexual, but hearing people say pansexual is something that I think is maybe coming more into the, the, the linguistic framework of most people. It's still, I don't think, to the point of pop culture status where everybody's going to hear it and know it, but mm -hmm. I think it's a really powerful way to say we're oriented in loving all humans as we are human. And and I, that's how I always des describe it. Do you, do you feel like I did it justice or am I missing something in that definition? I mean, I think that's great. I think it's been helpful for one or two people to hear, like, I don't exclude anybody based off of a certain characteristic. Ooh, I love that. Like, mm. like all-inclusive, exclude none. That's cool. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. I'm on board. And that's an even shorter definition than what I gave. And, you know, that's probably for the best in my case. <laughs> So, so now let's talk about the other parts that you've named. What does it mean to you and your story and your journey to identify as transmasculine and non-binary? Um, the transmasculine part's probably easier than the non-binary right now. Um, and transmasculine is just somebody that was maybe assigned female at birth or... Um, I don't know, assigned intersex at birth, uh, who was socialized for 30 years as a female. Um, and I just identified as queer, like a queer female for most of my adult life. Um, and then the non-binary part, that's kind of, that's kind of been how I saw myself and how I see others. I just kind of, from a young age, just assumed everybody was non-binary and everybody was pansexual. So it kind of, just simplified things in my mind. Um, but that's how, yeah, that's kind of how I just run, like assume everybody is part, uh, is like different percentages of masculine and different percentages of feminine and different percentages of neither. Um, yeah, just like other life forms. <laughs> I actually really love this idea of percentages. I know people sometimes will say like a sliding scale where if like if you have a scale of one to ten and one is super you know feminine and ten is super masculine or one is mm. super straight and ten is quote unquote super homosexual and then people are just sliding up and down that scale kind of like that the Kinsey model right mm. of like gradients for sexuality or identity but I love this idea of percentage of, you know, maybe someone is feeling 60% feminine, 40% masculine, or whatever. Mm -hmm. I feel like that really gives a flexible model for folks, whether yeah. they identify in such a manner or don't, and they're hearing someone describe their own experiences. So I really love that. Thank you for that. And then, you know, the last part, or I guess it was the first part is where we started is your identification as a non-Black person of color. This season, we've had non-Black people on. 
actually last season we had non-black people on, but I lost that recording. And so <laughs> that was not on purpose. And so that recording never went with season one. That just is what it is. But I think that this is such an important part of identity as well, especially in our current climate. And so we're going to get to that in a bit, but can you tell us a little bit about your ethnic background and how you see yourself in that way? Yeah, so um, I have a grandfather from Italy, a grandfather from uh, the Philippines, and then my two grandmothers um, that were already in the States. so my mom is very Filipino looking. Uh, my dad's, my biological dad would be a um, Caucasian male. Um, so for parts of my life, we were, or I guess I guess every year we kind of are white passing, white looking, or um, shoot, you're gonna have to edit this. I'm not even sure how to phrase it. We are white appearing, white passing people um, who also get treated like Hispanic or othered quite often, um, or like a nondescript Asian uh, type treatment. Okay, so like people see you and they're like, these people might be kind of white, but are they white, white? I don't think so. There's, yeah, there's like a, you know, that hierarchy clicks in their head where they're like, okay, like they're not white, are they like, um, Asian, they're not Asian, are they like Middle Eastern, you know, and then they kind of like run down this list. (laughs) Yes, I know this list. (laughs) Okay, like, what can I ask you that's not going to be, that's going to be like least offensive for not assuming that I was white in a way? Yeah, yeah. that is very, very real. So with so many layers of who you are, not to say that some people are simpletons and don't have layers, but you know, some people are onions and some people are more like apples and there's nothing wrong with being an apple y'all and <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. But for these parts of you, right? All of these identities are Casey. This is mm-hmm. who you are as a human being. What would you say has been two of the most groundbreaking revelations that you have made in regards to dating and your identity. And it can be at any point in your personal evolution. It can be right now. It can be in the past. It Mm. can be in the future. You know, it can be at any phase that you would like to discuss. Um, recent revolution, revelation, revelation about evolution. Um, revolution, revelation, revolutions. (laughs) Let's just put it out there in the world. When you start having different truths revealed to you, it, it creates revolution in your soul. It really does. And we have revolution outside of the body. So I don't see why we shouldn't be in one inside of our bodies. Oh my gosh, yes. Just breaking free from, oh my gosh, so many like internal locks I put on myself. Um, what, uh, what have I recently realized? That, so that I think in an evolutionary concept, like your cis, straight, white men are kind of under attack and rightfully so because they haven't been, been like carrying their weight and their roles that they're playing. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of white men that do harm to other people 
can't possibly imagine or empathize like other people's experiences you know and so we're seeing that on a large scale from our government and then we're seeing that on a like a micro scale inter like a interpersonal reaction interpersonal actions um but now i'm like lost where was i going with that well, i think you're oh. <laughs> oh so it's it's like the threat right and then um next in that line will be like your straight cis black man and then we'll have like gay men gay cis men whatever and there's like this hierarchy within your hierarchy of like even the queer community is going to have its hierarchy which we were kind of discussing earlier about you know how not all queer people are treated the same by other queer people like we still have internal um stereotypes and and pressures and um i don't know just narratives that we didn't place on ourselves and people won't let fade away like for some reason we're all still believing this uh you know white man's narrative and it doesn't make any sense why people are still going along with it i think that you bring up a really interesting point and it is one that we were talking about offline right is that there is this ladder inside of the ladder inside of the ladder and <laughs> for people who are not a part of the queer community who are not, you know, don't have the opportunity to have friends of different orientations or just different identities, period. This is not something that we fully grasp and understand. But as an outsider looking in, it's something that I have been very curious about personally. <laughs> I have. I've just been very curious, but over here, like, hmm, what's happening? And, and that is what happens when, in your own identity, you begin to evolve, right? So you stated that mm. back in the day with younger Casey, right, you identified mm. as a queer woman. Mm -hmm. Always probably a person who identified as being a non-binary person, right? So not necessarily fitting into these archetype roles of this is what it means to be feminine or masculine or female or whatever, you know, society constructs are that are being placed upon us. So there's been that thread mm -hmm. throughout your entire life. But now at this point of your life where you know, you have the opportunity to finally live life as fully as you want. Because it's hard when you're a kid. You live in somebody's mm. house, other people telling you what to do, you're seeing stuff. I think that's the beauty of adulthood for a lot of people. Not all people, because there are some people who don't get to truly be autonomous, but it's that mm. autonomy we can have in adulthood that's really beautiful, that then, I say, gives birth to our true identities. Because when we're young, we're still crafted and we're still being molded by those around us, whether it's for the best mm. or the worst or for, you know, something in the middle. And when we become older, we hopefully have the agency to craft ourselves. And so within crafting yourself and within the community, how has dating either changed for you or how is it changing for you as you are on this journey to a more gender affirming lifestyle, like I just, I have to imagine that it's been tough, right? You know, I don't know the details of it, but as an outsider looking in, 
I imagine there's been its challenges. What have some of those been? And have you been surprised by what you've experienced? From the um, I've been surprised because, well, I was like lucky enough to transition in Portland and this is the safest place I can think of to go through that process and go through that like medical exploration with people who um, were going to be kind and not hateful or um, just, you know, neglectfully prejudiced. Um, but yeah, I've, it's been nothing but good things. Like internally, you just feel better, better and better about the way that you're looking, even though you have those people around you that for whatever reason, assume that people shouldn't change as your friendships or partnerships go along, um, which is, is very, very odd. Uh, not that it's, I mean, a lot, it, it's kind of like a thing to expect uh, people to break up when they're transitioning, if they're dating somebody before, um, which I mean, it's not that I, I couldn't give you data on that, but it's kind of like a stereotype um, because it is such a, earth shattering process like if I could give up all the things that were socialized into me from just being a woman for all these years um yes I'm gonna finally give them up because other people are gonna stop putting those pressures on me thank god I can just like be myself and not hold all this weight of being a modern day uh woman in a patriarchy right uh, and I want to express all my women uh, how do you pronounce women with an accent because I've never I heard it out loud I think it's still women it's just that women you okay you write it with the X so that people know it's inclusive. Okay, perfect. At least that's what I'm doing with my life. So if anyone else actually knows me differently, but that's how I've, I've, seen, I've heard it said when it's spelled with the X. Okay. Um, I think, so this is a, I've been saying this whole entire season, can we double click on this? So it's my weird computer speak, pardon me. But <laughs> the piece that I really want to double click on because I've, I say this all the time, and I hope people don't think it's like coming from some like person who is jaded or upset about something in that regard. But I feel like there is such inauthenticity in dating for everybody. <laughs> I feel like there is so much posturing and so much caricature here and so much hiding mm. you know like you go on a first date and you have to be the best version of yourself right come dress whatever is your idea of as well you have to be super presentable you can't have any spots on your face you can't have any stretch marks you can't have any wrinkles you gotta, like you gotta come photoshopped for your life and then you have to not say anything stupid and you have to not like burp or fart and you have to there's a lot of rules here and I'm just a human being I can't take it right and so yeah. I have it even on first dates I call it I say I go deep like I don't have time to really mince my words with you not because I don't have time I'm not mm -hmm. gonna be abducted by intergalactical beings tomorrow I mean I don't know I could be because twins crazy but <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not like going away I hope or you know dying unexpectedly fingers crossed right so what is the hurry but my dad said something to me when I was a little human that I that's really stuck with me and he was just like you know Grace you are a particular 
person, I might have told this story earlier in the season, but bear with me if I've said it already. And he was like, you're particular in a good way. He's like, you want certain things of yourself and other people. And he's like, when the time comes for you to, you know, go out in the world and see about finding a, a spouse or whatever, he was like, it may serve you to actually do that, to, to tell people early what it is you need and want. And you know, I was like a preteen when he said that, and I wasn't allowed to date till I was like 19, 20. So oh my gosh. <laughs> paying attention to him because I was like, well, I can't date for 300 years, so whatever. But, but as I've gotten older, the wisdom of what my father says it has not been lost on me. I mm-hmm. feel like I come from a tradition of serious dating because I'm, I'm, I'm African and West African and we just don't play with dating. Like it's a very, very serious thing. And so as a result, I even, I, the idea of casual dating confuses me and terrifies me so I don't participate. So I want people who I feel like are in alignment and not necessarily with everything I stand for or every one thing I am, but with mm-hmm. like the core of my soul. So people who are on this path to be kind, people who are on this path to be of service, people who are on this path to listen and to love and to be transformed by the journey. And I've not, I've mm-hmm. lost friends along the way who we just not seen eye to eye on what that could be, right? And they're on their path and I'm on mine and it's been divergent. So do you feel like as you've set out to really be who you are meant to be, that you've lost elements of, or lost people who you thought were potential partners and or have you gained more than you feel like you've lost? Like, I'm really curious about that is, how have people who've always known you in like a potential dating realm, right? Not just like friends or family, but people who you would want to consider prospects in partnership. Ooh, prospects in partnership, I should call mm. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> have you, like, what has that been like? Cause I'm guessing you're still all, quote unquote in the dating scene that you were in before. Pretty much. I've kind of backed off a lot because since my oh, since my hormones have gotten right, um, I've actually have felt more like familiar type feelings where I don't want to mess with this dating situation. I kind of just am waiting for it to like pop up. And uh, it's it's been kind of like a visceral experience where I'm over here nesting for some reason, which I've never done in my life. And I'm like, you know, paying attention to parenting and these things. I don't know. So those feelings have turned on, which never turned on before, but also I can see myself in the role of like a modern or whatever people believed that a father's role was, which I never saw myself being able to fill, uh, looking like a female, presenting female, um, but now I can. That's really, really dope. Like, you know, let's just, (laughs) let's just make a little space for that. I feel like that's super powerful because you said something that really kind of like verbed, reverbed in my heartstrings. You said, mm-hmm. now that my hormones are right, I feel like a lot of things are clicking. And yes. that is so powerful because I think that there are people who, from all kinds of backgrounds, 
who really struggle to quote unquote understand the trans experience and oh my god think that they're quote unquote open but they aren't able to have empathetic conversations around how people's soul I spiritual identity not matching maybe the way they present or the way they look can be really really isolating and scary mm. and depressing mm-hmm. um and I feel like you saying that makes so much sense, right? Now that you are living the way you were meant to live and be, mm-hmm. things that other people probably take for granted, like maybe a desire to one day parent, if that's something that's in their interest, yeah, or to provide for a family or to find partnership to do this with, mm-hmm. finally making mm-hmm. sense for you. That's huge. That's yeah. huge. So there's. Oh, go ahead. There's just there's just like so little space for somebody who of my age, so I'm 30 right now, um, who saw any type of like existence in media growing up. So if you have like the entire world telling you you don't exist, like you just sit there and question yourself and like deny yourself basic urges or like basic ways that you want to speak or walk or whatever, just because like the society kind of shuns you within society for just being who you want to be and um because I picked up on the wrong character messaging when I was getting um you know assigned this female gender all my life I was like gosh it's it's there's a lot of internal discourse when you pull back all these layers how do you how do you sit with the discourse and listen and assess and maybe reevaluate while trying to do the quote-unquote dating thing like Mm. i I don't know i'm one of those people when i get when i get into i get into these like i call them let's call them energy bubbles i get into these energy bubbles that are full of vibrancy but the these energy bubbles are usually super isolated as in Mm. in those bubbles i can only seem to make space for like friends and family and I can only like make room inside of myself for those groups of people and I and in that bubble I then use literally like love and support to fuel me through goals I have and so I find that when I'm on like when I'm on the work path I am channeling all of this energy into wanting to complete tasks, into starting projects, into finishing projects, mm-hmm. into coming up with creative ideas that I find that I don't have space to think about dating. And it's like, mm-hmm. not that mm-hmm. I don't want to date, I do, but when I go to engage in the shenanigans of dating, it just feels like nobody else is serious. Like it just it's, feels like everyone is just there to waste each other's time. And yeah. I'm on like I got some stuff to do. I got to make moves. Yeah. I I I also when I was more concerned with finding people who would want to date me, like I was a lot less concerned with am I actually taking ownership over my twenty four hours of life today? Mm. Like there's you know like there's those activities that we engage in just to like 
oh, this is the other thing that we were talking about. Um, we engage in activities to sedate us or we engage in activities to like lull us to sleep. And sometimes online dating might be that, like where people are just like doing things without thinking, without intention. And it's just another activity or like a hobby that we do without intention. You know? Let's talk about that some more. <laughs> it's an, you know, because I, you know, I, I agree three thousand percent. You already know we've talked about this offline. Maybe. <laughs> people are, people are passing time with other people's time. Yeah, I want to repeat that because I don't know if everyone heard me. People are passing time with other people's time. There's mm-hmm. a lot of folks who are out here dating because they can't stand the idea that they might have to be by themselves. And I'm not judging them. I think it's mm-hmm. a hard thing to if you are not necessarily a, you know a, a self-isolated person hopefully by choice then it's hard to imagine a life with no one else i'm a solitary being naturally i'm naturally inclined to it i'm one of those people i just need some plants and some pets and i'm good but even i, when I think about my future and my vision for my best life i have a partner right so even mm-hmm. someone like me who's like used to living alone doing things alone who you know before corona would go to the movies by themselves or go out to i used to take myself out on a date once a week and mm-hmm. that to me was just very important to me and, and 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 to feel validated and worthy and upheld by myself inside myself with myself hell yeah you know i think about the current dating landscape and it's so interesting because now because of the Rona, so now let's transition to Corona. <laughs> now because of Corona, people online dating and now the online dating apps are like, oh, would you like to call this person? I was like, where was this uh, a year ago? You should call <laughs> encouraging people to call people because duh. Anyway, we started. Yes. Now they're trying to create safe connections from afar right? Whether people use dating apps or people still, maybe people are still meeting in real life in three dimensions, or maybe people have friends. They're starting to see that they could have romantic companionship and compatibility with whatever it might be. People seem to want to go deep. They want to, they're like, you know, I read this article that low-key depressed me in the New Yorker. It like literally almost made me cry. It was about dating in the time of Corona and it was about I think it was originally written in Vice and then the New Yorker published it or something like that. I'll find it and try to kind of link to it in my, in this podcast about section. But this woman was talking about how once the pandemic looked like it was really going to steal her joy in March, mm-hmm. she kind of got really sad about dating prospects. And she grew weary, which we all do. And then she grew hopeful, which we all do. Mm-hmm. And she was on the apps and she met this guy and they'd been talking and then texting. And she was saying how usually she's very bad at the apps. Like she's dismissive. She's nonchalant. But because of the current state of the world, she was more open and more committed to trying to like really get to know him. And they met up, had a social distance date where they went to get takeout, ate their own food, took a walk, wore their masks. Um, So they were, (laughs) and how after, and they did this after talking back and forth for like four or five weeks or something. And then (laughs) once they went on their date in like April, ending May, they 
basically had a conversation that was like, if we are going to, because to like even make out, we've got to set mm-hmm. some ground rules, right? Because you can't be making out with other people. You can't be mm-hmm. having with other people because you could be, that widens your net for potentially can't, catching the disease, right? So I, the article made me sad because I was just like, is this what it's come to? And then it also <laughs> made me excited because I was like, this is what it's come to. Because she mm-hmm. about how normally she would never have had that kind of conversation with a guy she'd known for six to seven weeks. Oh, God, Where yeah. she was like, I like you. Like, it's not that this has to be for life forever, but we just kind of have to agree to be in this because I can't afford to have you kissing with other people and you can't afford to have me kissing other people. Mm-hmm. Our roommates, it endangers us. It may even endanger our families if we see our mm-hmm. families, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm rambling now, but my point is, it seems like it's forced this intention mm-hmm. on participants of dating culture that has not been there in our generation. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at other things that are intentional that people have started doing since, you know, that, that fake world that got turned off momentarily, but yeah, there's a whole lot of life out here to live. Well, so how, so how are you then approaching your own dating, I guess? Um, I, I mean, I was trying to keep my space just because of Corona and I tried to turn it off. Um, it's also increasingly frustrating when you're um, taking testosterone and, uh, you know, your sex drive is like out the, out the wall while I'm going through my second puberty, as they, call, as they say. Um, but yeah, it's like, I, you don't know what to do with yourself, but like, guess what? You're with yourself for months and figure it out and like cultivate new skills or like be quiet. I just, what other option is there other than to like, grow and and flourish right now you know so you're like the third or fourth guest who's said something like this a lot of people have said that they are spending this season working on them making themselves the kind of people that they would want to be with the kind Mm -hmm. of people who they think would make great partners it sounds like you're on that same wavelength Mm-hmm. But so I, I not a but and comma not a but and comma, but you also mentioned you're taking testosterone mm-hmm. you're going through a second puberty, which sounds bananas. And oh if my god, any Corona maybe that could be really popping, but with Corona that is very limiting, right? <laughs> how how are how are you even shaping your life along? this rupturing of reality that we're in, like. Oh my God, this has been the biggest gift. Like this break in life is the first time I can be around who I want to be around. I can choose like what to do with my time, where to put my energy. And like, I can go and spend time with people. And then like, based off those interactions, decide if I want to spend more time with them. It's, that's, I guess my approach to dating as well as who fits in my community, my very intentional community of people I'm trying to put together. Um, and then they keep coming back if they do. Do you feel like without, if Corona had not happened, you would still be in this place, like emotionally? Oh God, no. No, I'd still be miserable and like resentful that I have to have a job to live. Interesting. 
do you feel like you would be with partners you were with before if it wasn't for this disruption in our necessary disruption i hope to you know yes reality yes but, but let's talk about that actually because a lot of people myself included are not where they thought that they would have been in january in july because <laughs> i see corona doing what corona did and we mm-hmm. didn't see this black lives movement which is important um mm-hmm. happening the way it happened but as someone who is a non-black person of color mm-hmm. who is also on their gender affirmation journey like that's a lot that's a lot it makes sense oh. in a dating space because like i said dating is frivolous sometimes oh my gosh it's i'm like yeah at the middle of so many intersections like sometimes i will translate between two people of different races sometimes i will translate between uh, like a cis person and a trans person i have to like translate between cis males and cis females at my work it's like bizarre that people don't understand what each other is saying or is like intending like these communication barriers outside of our identity kind of lock people in these weird states so breaking those things down you know and only so few people are like even interested in a person like me who's who's very much like um i don't know dream like head in the clouds a lot of the time um like you have to be on board with like everybody every life is valuable like i don't want anybody killing a slug therefore like you magnify that times any human being i mean come on i think that i'm making some space because i think you're saying a lot of important things <laughs> you said you said, the, the piece that you said about translation is a thing for me personally a big one and something i've talked to some other guests about is how sometimes when we are intersectional in our identities mm. it can become difficult to to be maybe as open as we would maybe want to be in all the possible potential partners because mm. we recognize that there comes with it some sort of cultural baggage that might inhibit them from fully understanding us so the conversation i was having with a previous guest was who's a cisgender um, man, black man, was how he just felt like there were a lot of cultural understandings that he didn't feel a white woman would understand about him and his experience. And so he's, absolutely he's like, it's not that I, I'm like anti, you know, anyone dating anyone. He's like, but for me and my experience, I just feel like I wouldn't feel completely myself with a Caucasian woman. And I, you know, and I can respect, I can respect knowing that about yourself, right? I think okay, it's important yeah. to understand what makes you feel safe yeah. and who makes you feel safe. And at the same time being open, right? Because we just never know who we're gonna fall in love with. I, I, I'm a big mm-hmm. believer in that. I think that the universe brings us who we need, but sometimes we are not who we, should be so we cannot mm-hmm. receive the blessing of who they are mm-hmm. because we get so caught up in maybe what we think they need to look like what they need to sound like what they need to believe and we don't see them for the spirit that's inside 
and that's oh, of course trying to match with right and so i wonder if for you do you feel hopeful about dating you know when life kind of settles down a little bit more outside gets open again do you feel like you yourself are on the precipice of even more under self-understanding that will lead you to partnership or do you feel like as a trans masculine person who identifies as being a non-binary human being as well right someone who's not pegged anywhere but is fully open and flexible on this spectrum of life like Mm-hmm. Are you finding that there are people who are romantically interested in you? Are you finding that there are people who are open to the idea that that all human beings should continue to evolve, but that you are in the state of evolution and metamorphosis? Or, or are you finding resistance? Are you finding people who love you and are open to your journey, but who still long for you to be who they knew you to be? Oh yeah. Um, so that's why I haven't been on online dating. Um, just because, you know, you have to, to function in online dating, like you have to describe your identity characteristics and your preference so that people can get matched. Right. But, um, a lot of people, even though that they say like, Oh yeah, non-binary is cool. Cause they think you're, um, going to act like a cis woman. Uh, hold a lot of like transphobia um you know especially about like the changes that are testosterone based and and a lot of assumptions that testosterone is going to change how you act um i've definitely yeah experienced that with a partner who i mean was just a combination of like white supremacy misogyny um some homophobia even though it was a cis white female um but i think that just like within the hierarchies you still have to deal with like the stereotypes the prejudice and you have like i still have to unravel my own stereotypes and prejudice of being a trans person and what do you think those are like let's talk about that right oh conceptions that you may be held that you are i love that idea you said like did you say unraveling un what did you what was the language you used there Oh, unraveling um, your own like like yes. like my my own prejudice, my own um, my own uh, yeah pro- programming. Really, it's, yeah. it was all like the programming that was messed that messed me up. I was fine when I was a kid, and people would just let me be until I hit a certain age, and then everybody starts treating you a lot differently and like kind of sexualizing you, even though you're super young. Yeah, uh, you know, it's yeah. odd. It is odd. So how are you, or how have you unpacked that? That's real. Like I, oh I, my gosh, on the internet that says stuff like decolonize your mind or decolonize your love or decolonize whatever it is they're asking you to decolonize, and I feel like that is the precise language. Like that's yeah. The- it's this idea that, like you said, we've been programmed a certain way. And mm-hmm. right now we're all in the middle of unpacking that programming and saying, has my mind been colonized? Like mm-hmm. on who I am and why I am. And what are some breakthroughs, or even if they're not huge, even if they're, you know, you think small and scale, but big in impact, mm-hmm. what are 
some things that you've been letting go that you before your journey started here might have either misconceived or just not known a lot about that you feel like people who are listening should really take a closer look at? Oh, I didn't realize all the assumptions, like all the invisible tasks that are put on um, women in this society. Like there's numerous amounts of energy pulling events and relationships that people assume you to maintain without ever talking to you about it. Um, once I could let go of that, I don't feel guilt about any of my relationships. Like I'm happy to talk to anybody when they want to reach out to me, but I don't feel this burden to maintain stuff, you know? Um, I don't feel like the burden to worry about my uh, mom's health, even though I have like a cis male sibling that get, that gets put on, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of um, siblings. Um, what else would I be like? I, I've just been um, experiencing a, a bit of internal discourse over the privileges because now that I'm becoming masculine appearing people are expecting less of me and it's across the board everybody everybody that interacts with me expect expects less of me right now and it feels so good um, not that i'm like you know taking advantage of that I, I try to do as much as i can good every day or like in help of other people but uh so that's that's actually interesting and that'll take me maybe to because this conversation i feel like we could probably talk about this forever and ever and <laughs> yeah. like enriching and uh, learning process to have conversations like this. With that in mind, do you feel that as you've transitioned into being more trans masculine presenting, do you think that people have identified you more as a person of color now or in your previous life when you know, before you were living a more gender affirming life, when you were maybe coming across as a queer woman, like you're talking about Ooh. the privilege piece. And so I'm like, yeah, let's talk about it. But are you feeling, this is going to sound so off color and I apologize. Don't nobody get in my DMs and try to be mean to me. <laughs> but as you've been feeling more of color, right? Because I think mm -hmm. that what's been happening with this Black Lives Matter movement is that a lot of non-black people of color have been activated. And when oh, I say activated, yeah. what I mean is we've all been a part, including Caucasian counterparts, and even mm -hmm. as well as white passing people of color, mm -hmm. as well as like, you know, white passing, you know, black people. I think that yeah. we've all been stuck in this this glass mm -hmm. range. Some of us maybe like myself, black women such as myself, maybe we felt like we were in a steel cage. And maybe, yeah. you know, maybe our Latinx friends and kin have felt like they were in a cage of, you know, of aluminum. And maybe mm -hmm. our Native and Indigenous American kin have felt like they were in like a prison of concrete, titanium, vibranium, mm -hmm. whatever, right? So, so everyone's been in these prisons and these cages, but it yeah. feels like we're at this place where we all know we're standing behind a wall. And so yes. we're all trying to break down, create holes in our cages that let others come into our cage with us in order to push against the cage as a whole. Mm 
instead this of us being in our brilliant. Space, right? Yes. Instead of us being in our small cages made of different levels of materials, right? Depending mm -hmm. on where in this social hierarchy of race we fall into, which is real, we've now said, <laughs> okay. Yeah. We're all collectively throwing our force behind Black Lives Matter. Hell yeah. That next, yeah. as our girl Rihanna says, pull up. Our um, Native American kin, pull up. Mm -hmm. Polynesian kin, pull up. South Asian kin, pull up. Like everybody is pulling up, pulling mm -hmm. up. Pulling up, and I actually feel like this is because the model that we have seen has actually come from the LGBTQIA plus community. I feel mm. like the queer community and the trans community has always been about absolute mm -hmm. truth, about resistance and about revolution because these are people whose sheer existence moved beyond political and moved to a space of radical freedom. Hell yeah. Although, That's exactly what it did. Right. And, 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 and what's so interesting is these are folks who just want to live. They're like me. They're, yes. like you, they're like, you know, my family. They're like your family. They're like our friends. These are folks who their greatest desire in life is to be safe and to be loved, just like mine. Mm -hmm. and I've, never, I've never wanted to live more than I do right now. Like this, mm -hmm. every moment in my life um, is like the greatest moment. Ooh, that in is life now. Yeah. That is powerful. That is big. And I feel like as once again as an outsider, so correct me, I bet that's because you're finally affirming who you've always been. Yeah. You like there is nothing that makes you want to live more and advocate for others living fully and living completely mm -hmm. than living in your truth. Cause I'm not done, yeah, I'm not fully free yet seeing other people that look just like me that are still suffering like things that they don't that are completely made up that are man-made <laughs> just stop believing it how is that showing up in your ethnic identity so because you know i feel like what happens a lot and you kind of danced around this a little bit so i'm just gonna you know break dance on it um <laughs> and that is this idea that you know, girl identifying or girl presenting people are sexualized and mm. boy identifying or boy presenting people, because I'm starting with youth, that's why I'm using girl and boy, I'm not trying to be diminutive, but um, are villainized or are thought to be predators, right? As dangerous in some capacity. And then yeah. as we grow, these stereotypes become or these become ones in which female people right and female identifying people or women people they are they feel all this guilt and all this unspoken pressure like you just said that and, and there's so many expectations that are placed upon them and as you are moved and continue to move out of it and you know will live your life out of it right because that's who you are you're feeling freer you're feeling like no one's putting this pressure on you and so i wonder if when the world looks at you they say this is a mixed race south asian person and, i do wonder and if they say that even if they say this is somebody of some ethnicity that i can't quite figure out that is not white <laughs> right and and they can't figure out my gender and <laughs> they can't figure that out right 
and then they're like, and I don't know what pronoun to use because I've been set up to use uh, gendered pronouns mm. instead of just using inclusive pronouns. My brain is melting. I, oh, and they can't figure out my age because I got like face acne. <laughs> so uh, yeah, nobody, yeah, I am not of anybody on anybody's radar. And so, you know, as such, I just wonder, like, how are people approaching you and coming to you? And not even, now I'm not even talking about in a romantic way. I just mean in a life way, right? Um, I've, yeah, I've, I've actually, like, repaired a lot of relationships, um, friendships, things lately that were just old wounds that I, um, I just, yeah, had to let go of anything that harmed me from like being oppressed by the patriarchy while presenting as a woman, I had to let that go. And that took me a minute because I didn't know myself aside from that. And now I get to meet myself. And it was like the kid from, you know, those years before anybody put any pressure on me, I can just just be me again and run around without a shirt on. (laughs) Which sounds like the best. Um, (laughs) I think that that's so cool. And I want to say, you know, we're coming up on like, almost an hour i can't believe it time flies when you're having fun <laughs> and learning and growing and sharing but i think that that's really why i wanted to speak with you on this episode is i think and once again let's like definitely put like an asterisk here because we all get to think and have opinions Hell yeah. and i think that transformation is for everyone And I believe that we cannot think that we're going to show up romantically for ourselves or for someone else if we do not do the delicate work of holding ourselves, of loving ourselves, of becoming the kind of person we want to love. And sometimes for folks, when they start to do that, it means that they have to come to uncomfortable truths about themselves or truths that it's not that it's uncomfortable for them, but it's uncomfortable for other people. Mm-hmm. I imagine it was the same for you. Like you just said, baby Casey, or, you know, like seven-year-old Casey, they <laughs> were. They were someone who was so sure in their existence. And it was life that said, this is how you have to present. This is who you need to be. This is how you've got yeah. it. This is how or, it, it was that or don't exist. Like that's why, um, like female to male trans people is like a fifty percent suicide attempt statistic. I don't know how they got those statistics, but it's definitely underrepresented. That is, I actually did not know that. That is oh. very. I did about the about the rate. I I knew about the high rate of suicide in the trans community. I didn't realize that the female to male um, trans community is mm. at because I mean that's half. Like that's crazy. Yes. So that's, every every two people that you meet, like somebody's attempted suicide. That's that's to me that is just heartbreaking, and incredibly sad and I mean that's part of the reason that I try to on this platform have such an inclusive platform and that's where I want to kind of end today is there's a lot of people in the world of you know dating and non-dating who are just trying to find themselves who they're 
your existence for some people is scary, is unknown. Some people might even think it's wrong, but you're not ever going to hear that come out of my mouth. Yes. <laughs> okay. So don't come up. It might be none of that now. But I think that it's really important for us to share these stories and to hear these stories that might be different from our own because that is like the heart of love. The heart of love is not oh. being scared to do the work that uplifts and transforms. And I think that we can look to the trans community to see courage in action, and courage in existence. And I call it everyday courage because it's just the courage to do exactly what you just said, not be invisible in a world that hopes to erase identities of people who identify as being trans in any way or non-binary in any way and so i want to you know the hope i want to leave us with today is it's beautiful to be whoever you are mm. however you identify or don't identify you are worthy of such great things you deserve love shelter safety you deserve if you are into this kind of stuff a really delicious vegan cookie and um yes bless it and and also a very delicious west african meal because i'm west african that's just how i roll but i exactly shout out to my mama and i think that we should all come open we're in a delicate and beautiful place together and when we go to, I think, have our quote-unquote preferences for dating or who we are looking for, I really inquire about whose spirit you're looking for. And I really want to present everyone with the challenge of seeing beyond the vessel and seeing into the spirit and into the soul because that's where love lives, that's where light is born, and that's where we should all want to be. So on that note, Casey, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my God. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, it's been an incredible conversation. I know I got a lot out of it. I really hope that our listeners get a lot out of it. And this is not the conversation. Y'all know where to find me. I am on the internet. It was, I mean, I'm not like the internet. This is a matrix. I am on the internet. For now. Find me for now. That's the matrix question. <laughs> And it sort of is. You can find me at grace at a sprinkling of grace.com or you can find me at a sprinkling of grace dot not no dot com, just a sprinkling of grace with periods in between every word on Instagram. So let's continue the conversation. I'd really love to hear from more of our kin in the trans community. Tell us about your experiences in dating, your stories, your victories, and your transformations. We are here, or well, at least I am to listen and to share in just the beauty of everyone's life. So thanks so much for listening and catch you on the next episode. Bye.